I want you to discuss around your table right quick. Unpack a positive memory that you have of growing up. All right, let's do a little discussion around the tables. Go ahead. Something that you remember growing up when you think about, man, that was a positive, that was a, man, I used to love to do this or that, or I was, you know, just something good about your childhood or the early years that you remember growing up. All right, go. All right. Wow, it's great to hear some of the stories and... uh, You know, it's good, to, it's good to reflect back and think about some of those things, those positive memories. And, uh, you know, we're all in the process of seeking to make sense of why we are the way we are. And each of us has a story. You know, part of your story is growing up and what, what you experienced. Uh, one of the tables over here had some of the young guns at it, and they don't remember the seatbelt. This used to be the seatbelt. You know, stand behind my shoulder. You know, I, when I started my kids off, now that's abuse. They would put you in jail now. Uh, so we all have stories and things that we did uh, and fond memories, but each of those stories tell a little bit about us. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when the Israelites are on their journey. And this verse really reminds me. Of, of what they were going through in their story. It says, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud. I know you've heard this, boy, uh, this verse. Pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You know what I love about that story is <clears throat> that the people of God always knew where God was and they knew the way because they were following the cloud by day and then the fire by night what a great comfort that must have been for them to do that but now in the New Testament those of us that have come to that point and hopefully everyone in this room have when when the Spirit of God comes to live within us we have that very cloud and that fire in us to guide us through our story, no matter what happens. You know, there was a lot of things that happened out there in the wilderness that weren't that good, but God was always there. They always knew where they were to go, and they knew what time, when to get up and move because the cloud moved. And they could always see through the night because they had the fire. So there was always the presence of God. What a wonderful story, though, for to remind us That wherever you're at in your story, you have the presence of God living within you, the Spirit of God, to give you wisdom, to direct you, to guide you. You don't have to stay with the bunch. That's the great blessing that we have. So I love that story. And, you know, each of us has a, a, in us, to some degree, we're a product of our past. Uh, our story kind of dictates that sometimes, and um, it's uh, in each of us, in some ways, you can be controlled by the past until we consciously and willfully choose to break the control. How many of, the, of you know people that just live in the past? They can't let it go. That's all they talk about is, is the good old days, you know, or how things were, and 
but uh, whether it's good or the bad things, they just can't move on. So your past can control you. And tonight, uh, you know, as we go on our journey, I brought this uh, luggage, little suitcase. I told Tony when I walked in, I said, these are my notes for tonight. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we all have luggage. How many, those of you in the room that have been married, you know that when you married, you married somebody that had luggage, right? Yes, I mean, when you're going on a trip, we all pack. But we all, all of us as men, we have luggage. And um, it's things that we carry with us, sometimes in the past, some of the future. And at times in our life, things get real heavy. In the room tonight, I I was thinking, uh, how many of you guys are really light packers? Okay. You see how quick they are to tell you, like, I don't need a whole lot, you know. But I kind of pack heavy. I always want to be prepared, you know. I always say, my wife makes fun of me, and typically it's the woman that has all the equipment and stuff to make them look good, right? I just wake up and splash a little water. I'm ready to go. I'm looking pretty good. But anyway, um, so tonight is going to be more like a little bit of a counseling session, all right? This is not one of my favorite topics But here's what I want you to do. I want you to at least be open. And I know the Spirit of God lives within us. And I want to pray for us because I know that in a room this size, and I know men, everybody's got luggage. And we got some things. And you got to be willing sometimes to reach in there and take it some and unpack that deal. And there's some of the stuff you need to leave. And how do men handle that? Sometimes we just do what? We just keep stuffing. We just don't pay attention. We don't even know what's in the suitcase. And we don't care. We just throw a bunch of stuff in there and it gets heavier and heavier. But at some point in our life, you got to start to unpack some things. So I'm going to challenge you tonight. I don't, I'm not asking you to share anything um, that you don't want to. But I want, after I pray, I want us to just go around and just remember something early in your years that might have hurt you. It can be a physical hurt. It can be emotional. It can be a fear or something difficult as you walk through. Now, that's not going to define you or state you. Uh, and it's not going to judge you. But it's just something that you know that, hey, during this time, this happened and it hurt. And it might be a physical wound or something. And just... Trust me as you share that, and then we're going to come back to that, and then we're going to talk about five wounds that affect men. And I just ask you to be open and whatever the Spirit says to you. And I'm praying that maybe, maybe you have one thing tonight. When we get to the end, there's one takeaway that you can take with you as we deal with this. It's a pretty heavy subject. It really is. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Would you pray with me? Lord... Um, I thank you for these men and their willingness to come here week in and week out. They've been talking about forgiveness. Thank you for Derek and his great teaching and just how you use him. And Lord, tonight, um, it's a little bit of a heavy subject, but Lord... Uh, Give us one thing, Lord. Give us something. 
in this session that maybe we need to unpack. Maybe it's something that we need to face, or maybe it's something we've stuffed, or maybe it's just something that, Lord, will bring new life to us. Because we don't want to walk around with a heavy suitcase all our lives. So I pray, Lord, now you'll give the men freedom to share whatever you bring to their mind about something early in their life where there was a hurt. could be physically, Lord, or just whatever you put on their heart. Just use this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you got about seven minutes. Try to get around the table. Just share one thing. It doesn't have to be a long. I'm not looking for a counseling session. Be brief, be bright, and move on. Okay, all right, go. I hate to interrupt, but uh, some good sharing. I appreciate you guys being open. and You know, some of those things that... Uh, have hurt us are difficult uh, for men to talk about. I mean, you know, we don't even spend the time of unpacking that and talking about some of those things that uh, we know hurt us or affected us as we were growing up. You know, Plato has that um, quote that says, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I think by just the nature of you being here and going through this study on forgiveness, you're not afraid to examine your life and try to make sense of some of the stuff that goes on in your life. And sometimes <clears throat> some of the issues that we deal with are just are really a result of us not facing some of the things uh, that have hurt us or dealing. You know, the, the further you go, the more you dig. Uh, have, I, I don't know if you're like me, but there are, have been times in my life where I'm like, why am I like this? What is going on? You know, uh, I think I told you all last time there, uh, at one point in my life, I just had this anger, and I didn't even know where it was coming from. I had to get in there and find out, like, Lord, what's going on? You know, what are you trying to teach me? What's going on? But, you know, I had to examine. It takes discipline to think about it and then try to be real with yourself and honest with yourself that, hey, you know, I've got some luggage, and... You know, this stuff gets heavy, and if you try to carry that, uh, eventually it just starts to weigh you down. And so we're going to talk about five wounds that affect men. I'm going to kind of focus in on one. But, you know, when I say wound, what do I mean? A wound is an unresolved issue where lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a man's life now. And so that's what we mean by when we say a wound. It's something that, you know, that we've not dealt with and it affects us and shapes us. Sometimes the things that, those difficult things shape us, don't they? And so when I expose these five wounds that uh, men have that shape them, <clears throat> the first one is the father wound, the absent father wound. We're going to kind of drill down on that a little bit. I, uh, <clears throat> one of the parts of my testimony is my dad and his story and even my mom's story, both of them came from an absent father wound in their own lives because both of them, their fathers abandoned them. And uh, my dad's parents, both of them abandoned him and he had to live with uh, one of his best friend's uh, his last two or three years in high school to finish high school. 
and it deeply affected him. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, you know, all of us have been on a journey. All of you have a story. All of you have a family. I don't know what kind of home you, but it has an effect on you. And sometimes we don't even want to even think about it. Second wound is overly bonded with a mother wound. This is kind of the wound uh, that, uh, you know, being a mama's boy. And sometimes uh, we can overly bond or the mom overly bonds with us. It can be out of pain. It can be out of a bad marriage relationship. It can be just that she's a dominant woman and she dominates you. And it can be very painful. A lot of times guys don't really know how to uh, treat women uh, that have done this. But moms can, you know, they, <laughs> it's kind of like the mom that uh, doesn't let go. You know, that scripture says that you will leave, cleave, and become one flesh with your wife. And your mom never lets go. She's just overly bonded with you and it affects you. You know, she's always kind of sticking her nose where it doesn't really belong. And uh, it can be a challenge sometimes. Um, <clears throat> they kind of tend to dominate. So that's, you know, you see a lot, there are men that go through that. You, you saw a lot of that in World War II when the men went to war and the women had to take over both duties. Uh, and you saw a lot of men that just, uh, it uh, weakened the man because they bonded so much with their mother that they, they uh, didn't become men. Because the models weren't there. But that's, that's the overlay. The all-alone wound. This is the wound where men try to do everything kind of on their own. It's kind of like uh, climbing a rope. Have you ever climbed a rope? I remember. <laughs> it's hard. Because uh, all you're doing is just doing it all by yourself. And there's really no margin for error. And this all-alone wound of doing everything by yourself... Uh, really causes great fatigue and fear in somebody's life because you've you got no backup. It's just you. And in this world today, a lot of guys, we just want to be our own guy. I'm going to do it my own way. And sometimes it comes out of a wound and um, of not wanting to, uh, you know, some guys make it, some guys give up, some guys uh, can't quite... Um, get over this fear because they don't have anybody in their, their life to cheer them on. You know, I think about these marathon runs that people do, and I know Brother Steve has an illustration, but when you're on a marathon run, they, they get you to get people along different places in the marathon run to cheer you on. And a lot of times, guys, <clears throat> we like to do our own thing and do it alone. And we just think we're self-sufficient. Um, and that's what I love about when you at least come to this place. You sit around the table with guys. You're starting to get to know each other. Some of you are bonding. You're becoming friends. But you need some other men in your life to cheer you along the way because it is a marathon. And you're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. You're going to have struggles. There will be situations. But a lot of guys, they just don't let anybody in. Nope, I'm going to do it all by myself. And then the fourth thing is a lacking a manhood vision wound. And basically what this is, is, um, you know, trying to figure it out. Nobody has ever really cast the vision. You really can't see what a man should be like. So what do you do? You make up your own plan as you go. 
And you see this wound a lot because of the absent father wound. But you kind of make it up on your own because you don't have a vision. You don't have the field glasses on. It's kind of like taking the binoculars. And when I look at the field that I'm hunting on, suddenly, man, I see things that I can't see with a normal eye. Well, a lot of you might have grown up in a home where nobody was helping you really make clarity of really what a man should be and what he should do. And uh, several reasons there for that, but a a lot of times we don't just don't have a vision for what a man should be. All right? So those are the four things you can say, well, I I don't really have any of those. Uh, You might, some of you might have some of those wounds. All of you have this last one, okay, which is the heart wound. And this is the wound, obviously, is our sin nature when we're born. And everybody has that. <clears throat> this is deeper than therapy will take care of, okay? <laughs> you can get all the therapy you want and all the counseling you want, but your sin nature cannot be taken care of by a counselor. You know, one of the good things about the pandemic uh, is a lot of people um, started to deal with anxiety and fear and a lot of people have come out and are in counseling and uh, this generation is much more open to counseling than my generation you know my generation you know you just went in your room and shut the door till you figured it out and then came back out uh, and, and you didn't share that because it was more seen as a weakness some of you guys have been around like me we didn't talk about all that kind of stuff you know uh, back when I was growing up you know Mama just disappeared in the back and came out a couple months later, and hopefully she was <laughs> feeling a little bit better. But, uh, you know, but the heart wound is, is something that is wrong with us, and it's that bad nature that we have. Have you ever um, really, uh, you know, there's just something in us that sometimes you just want to do the wrong thing, and you know it's the wrong thing. There was a billboard uh, that was up one time. It says, uh, life is short, have an affair. And uh, I thought, you know, wow, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. We know that is, but sometimes there's just some things in us, we just want to do the wrong thing. I mean, how many times do you try to catch yourself, but there's sometimes, you know, I was arguing with the Lord and the other day, I was, it was month or so ago I got mad and and I knew I was acting like I shouldn't act and I was telling my wife a story and the Lord said I just was whispering to me you know I just want you to see how you're acting here I said you know Lord I don't care I'm just letting this out <laughs> and I knew I was wrong but what I, I just said I don't care I'm just I'm mad I'm going to I know I look like a kid telling her what I'm mad about, you know, and I was just angry. And, you know, before I went to sleep that night, I'd calm down and I just had to say, you know, Lord, I know I was wrong. You know, I'm sorry. Forgive me. But aren't you glad that even though we have that sin nature and we do things wrong, we can go to our Lord and he forgives. We're never going to lose that sin nature. But we can be forgiven. You know what the great thing about this is? You don't have to carry the luggage. 
Because God forgives. And he restores and he gives us life. He gives us strength. You're not going to do it perfect. But that's the saving grace of Jesus in our life. That's the presence of God in our, in our lives that, that we can admit that we have this sin nature. But we've been forgiven. And uh, so we, we continue on the journey. So those are the wounds. The wound I really want to talk a little bit about tonight is the absent father wound. And this is an ongoing emotional, social, or spiritual uh, deficit ordinarily met in a healthy relationship with dad that it must now be overcome by other means. In other words, you know, this wound can affect you physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, Some of you might have grown up in a home that there was an absent dad. Maybe he was there physically. Maybe he wasn't there mentally. Maybe he, you know, I, I don't know what kind of home that you grew up in. Or, but I do know that the dad can be in the home and still be absent. And some of you might be like my dad lived in a home where he was abandoned. His dad went off and his mom went off. And he, you know, he had the absence of... Of both, and it was a it was a tremendous wound in his life and in my mom's life. You know, the good thing, the good part of the story is, you know, my dad took that wound, dealt with it, and decided we're going to do family, and my kids are never going to feel what I felt. And he made a conscious decision, uh, and he lived that out. I know that. I watched him. Uh, but let me just tell you a few things about what happens to kids that are in the absent uh, father home, the wound. And this is from um, Fatherhood uh, Council. It's just statistics. And, you know, at one time in the 21st century, the rates were like 40% of the homes are fatherless. It's higher than that now. But where there's no absent father. But just listen to the to the uh, kids that are raised in father-absent homes, they are affected in the following ways. Here's the things that can happen. There are four times greater risk of poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems. There are two times greater risk of infant mortality. More likely to go to prison. More likely to commit a crime. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse uh, drugs and alcohol, two times likely to suffer obesity, two times likely to drop out of school. And those are just the things that is proven uh, by an absent father in the home, whether it's emotionally, physically, spiritually. Here's what you got to catch, though. You know... The wound is being inflicted upon sons at an epic level today. This is what I want you to catch. Just look at Memphis. What you see playing out in Memphis is a a big part of that is a result of the absent father wound. Because there's anger, there's hurt, there's lack of a manhood vision. Uh, they, you know, it's, 
it's, you see it. There's pain. Nobody knows how to act anymore, right? I mean, I'm sure you watch the news and you look at people and you go, I know my wife and I go, I, I say, you know, the world's going crazy. What, what are people doing? You know, what is happening? Uh, you watch the news, you go, seriously? You know, and it doesn't matter if it's Memphis or across the country and you see things and you go, I think a lot of it is the, the deterioration of the family. A lot of it is this absent father wound. You see now things that we never dreamed of when I was in my 30s of women trying to be men, men trying to be women, uh, gay marriage. I mean, you just name it. Murder, guns, the wild, wild west. It's almost like the world seems to be at times out of control. And a lot of it comes from the wounds in men's lives. You see a lot of it in the men, don't you? And there's anger and just lack of direction. And so it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's epidemic. The damage caused by a father's absence may be severe and may last a lifetime. It's like a shadow. The longing of sons for their fathers is almost physical. Some, something passionate, profound is often mysterious to sons what it is they want from their fathers. But I've seen it in other men, and I see it in my sons. They're longing for me. You know, I think, guys, sometimes we don't really realize or even deal with it or even have unpacked it that way down in there, there's a longing for that. You know, those of us in the room, I'm looking at Jeremy because I know he lost his. When did your dad pass? Oh, two, years two years ago. And um, I, I know I called Jeremy and, you know, it's, it's just, it's not a good day when your dad dies. And I heard you sharing your story about your dad and, and the good things, you know, some good things about him. And that, that's, that's great. But it's just not a good day when your dad passes yeah, it's like you join a fraternity uh, and you start to realize what it feels like to lose your dad. And sometimes it, can't, it, it might not be a physical death, but it might be a separation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. If your dad's living, I just, you know, you just need to evaluate and say, hey, where am I at? I just want to remind you, get just a couple of things. Uh, maybe the Lord will speak to you. But there is a longing. There's something in us that we want our relationship with our physical dad. Now, I'll go right back and tell you that my heavenly father, I have that kind of relationship. I have that longing because of the spirit that lives within me. So, but there's a physical dad and there's a spiritual dad. You know, it talks about revival in the, in the Bible. And look what it says when there's revival. It says, and he will restore the heart's of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, least I come and smite the land with a curse. In other words, man, when the revival starts, you know, kids go back to their dad. Dads go back to their children and their hearts affected by that. Um, so let me speak to the young guys right quick. <clears throat> you know, just a, a couple of things. If you are a dad and there's a few essentials <clears throat> that you can uh, give your kids along the way. And then we're going to talk about this chart. I'll give you six things. And the first one is make sure that he hears. 
Some of you got small kids and grandkids. I'm leaving tomorrow and going to see my grandkids. Uh, it's not vacation because I'm keeping the kids while my son and his wife celebrate their 10-year anniversary. So it's vacation for him. It's work for me. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, four kids and a dog. I'll let you all know how it goes. Uh, but uh, I'm excited about it because I get a chance to be a granddad and I can do these things with my grandkids. Make sure they hear I love you is affirmation. You know one of the best things my dad did for me? My dad died February 15th. Uh, and I always, you know, take that day. I got a video I watch every year just to remind me. But one of the best things that my dad did for me is he always told me he loved me. Every, I mean, he just, he just said it. And in fact, Kim was kind of shocked because she came from a family that never said that. And so that's one of the things she liked about me is uh, when we got to a certain that I told her I loved her. But it was just natural to me to love and to tell somebody I love it. It's a powerful thing. It's affirmation, man. When somebody, listen, let me just say, you might not have grown up in that, but I want to challenge you. You just try it. You go home and you tell your wife you love her. Not just once, not for setting her up or, you know, I know how you guys are. But anyway, <clears throat> I mean, really mean it, all right? Yeah. Uh, but you know what? There's something powerful about telling somebody that you love them. Kim's, Kim's parents never said that. And I remember the day when I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I came home and my wife was crying. And you know, you know, you know guys, when, when you come home from work and your wife's crying, you, you know it's going to be a bad day, right? You just, I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, what, what is it now, you know? Uh, but here's what happened that day. She got the nerve to tell her dad that day on the phone. She said, Dad, I love you. And her dad said back to her, I love you, too. The first time she'd ever heard those words. And she was tore up. That's the power of telling somebody that you love you. I'm so thankful I got that. Here's another one. I'm proud of you. Admiration. Powerful thing. I, you know, I, I still am telling my kids that. Uh, and they're grown and got grandkids. And every chance I get, I'll either write them a note or I'll tell them personally. I, say, I just want to tell you I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've become, what, who you are, what you're doing. Powerful words. Um, and then the uh, next one is you're good. That's part of that affirmation. You know, you're just good. You're, hey, you're really good at that. I just want to encourage you in that you're really good at that. Powerful words of affirmation. Those are the things you can do in, uh, for your kids and tell them. And these are the other three things that we've already spoken. Make sure he has or they, she has, or your kids have some kind of vision uh, for their life. A man, my oldest son, we had a ceremony when he was in middle school going into, um, uh, he was at that time where he was getting ready to cross over. He's starting to be a man. And I took him to the Grand Canyon, and we backpacked for four days down into the canyon and went up there and sat up there by a waterfall and talked about manhood. And 
kind of gave him the uh, uh, birds and the bees speech, you know, that thing that none of us want to do. And uh, I had to go in the canyon to get it done, but I did it. And <clears throat> But it was kind of like a ceremony. I told him it was a ceremonial trip that you're, 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 you're going from a boy to a man. You know, Tim Shelton on our staff, I know Wes Bowen and some of you guys probably have done those manhood ceremonies. There's plenty of information about it, about where guys get together and get their sons. I took we went with four uh, teenagers and four men, and that was kind of their manhood trip. Uh, a code of conduct, conduct that you live by. Make sure that he has that, you know. If, if nobody tells you, how do you know? You're going to figure it out from watching TV or uh, Facebook or TikTok or, you know, people don't, you don't know until somebody tells you or models it. And then a transcendent cause, something to live for um, other than yourself. You know, we all have to get to that point that there's something, that's what kids do for you, is that, you know, when you have kids, you suddenly realize how selfish you have been, right? You got to die to yourself to raise kids. That's a lot of work. But I got something to live for more than me. I have a wife, I have kids, I have a Lord, I have, you know, you got to have a transcendent cause that what, 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 what's, what are you really living for? All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this chart and um, I'm going to make sure I'm right where I need to be. Yeah, there it is. It's up at the top. I just didn't see it. A discussion question. I want you to unpack your thoughts on this chart. What jumps out there at you around your table? I'll give you three or four minutes, four or five minutes. If you were to say, hey, man, in that chart, this is something I could do better, or this is kind of, you know, what jumps out at you that maybe you need to pay attention to? All right, go. Then we'll come back and close. All right, let's move on and wrap it up. We all have things we need to work on. I'll just say that. You should be able to find something uh, before the end of this that, hey, that's uh, probably something I need to, to work on. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's really good, too, that <clears throat> we realize that, and I think we all know this, <clears throat> none of our dads are perfect, right? That's a great thing about having kids is suddenly you start to see how difficult it is to raise kids. My son, um, the one that has four, uh, he lives in Tallahassee. He's the football coach, but he got a day or two off, and uh, he planned a quick trip to Disney World. And uh, we have this family text where we all text, you know, and keep on. So he sent us pictures of the kids and, how many of you know that when you got that many kids, there's always somebody mad at the house, right? <clears throat> right? Is that right? There's always somebody unhappy. You, you know, whether you go to eat someplace, you know, somebody's mad. <clears throat> so the picture he sent, one of the kids was pouty face, whatever. And just look, you know, he was, uh, everybody else is smiling. He's at Disney World and he's mad, all right? So he sends this text. <clears throat> Boy, I, I got great joy out of this text. I just, I just happened to think about it when I was... Uh, 
And so Austin writes, he goes, another good reminder from the Lord today. Every bit of my patience was challenged today. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for everything. <laughs> I thought, he's getting it. He's getting it. He's... <laughs> my kids used to make fun of me that when we go on a trip, I'd always grit my teeth because I was mad because no, they wouldn't get in the car and Kim's trying to clean the house and I'm trying to make good time. Right, amen? Yeah. And I would grit my teeth and they would, like, Dad's gritting his teeth again. We, gotta, we better, you know, and they make fun of me. Even still, they talk about how I gritted my teeth. Well, that's exactly, I was, you know, trying to get somewhere. But uh, it's not easy to raise kids. And you know what? It wasn't easy for your dad to raise you. And sometimes we got to look beyond our dad back to where they came from and realize He's just trying to do the best that he can. And you know, hopefully, now some of you came from different kinds of situations and homes, but you know, we are a product of our past in a lot of ways, especially when we don't deal with these wounds in the proper way. And you know, some of you guys sitting out here, I just want to tell you, it's never too late to close the gaps with your sons, no matter how old you are. It's, it's never too late. And I saw my dad do that with his dad till the day he died. And we would go back and visit him. Even I, I was a little boy, and we'd go out there and sit on that farm. And my grandpa, he was a cowboy and a pulp wood cutter and just tough as, I mean, he was, he was a cowboy. But my dad would go back, even though he abandoned him, he would go back and see his dad and love on him when he had every right to be mad and he was never to. I remember the day my dad's dad died. It hurt him. It really hurt him. And I saw him grieve. Even though his dad was an alcoholic, he was not a good dad. He was not raised in a good home. But he dealt with that wound He found somewhere in there to forgive. He resolved that. You know, you might be a single dad or a dad separated from your sons by divorce or a dad inherited a son through remarriage. You know, let me just encourage you. There's all kinds of help um, of developing the strategies you go through that, whether it's blended families or a divorce situation, you know, Um, there's a reason that, you know, 50% of the people don't make marriage, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're in the church or out of the church. It's just we have, you know, relationally there's, there's challenges. But don't give up just because that might have entered into your story. There's, it's never too late, and I just encourage you, pray about it. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to bring some men or get some literature. You can develop a strategy to, to carry on. Just don't do, don't do nothing. I just challenge you to think about it and pray about it. What, what is God leading you to do? Uh, if you're a son wounded by dad, and there are some guys in this room, this is a difficult subject. You know, you're, you might be one of those that your dad really wounded you, and he might not have been a very good person. Um, 
you've got to choose to touch this wound responsibly. And you've got to forgive your dad. I tell guys that all the time and when they come to me and they're struggling and they just hate their dad. And, you know, and I said, man, <clears throat> you're going to have to get past that. You're going to have to forgive because you've been studying all semester what unforgiveness does. You know, if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. And you, you, I, I, it's not, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but you got to get to that point. Listen to this. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. Your father is your father. For they discipline us for a short time as seems best to them. You know, your dad probably did the best that he could. I guess it might not seem that way, but I don't know what he came from. I look back at what my dad did and my dad, there was a lot of things that he didn't do right. But I'll tell you one thing, he did love me. He did take me to church. He didn't know how to disciple me or to, but you know what? For a short time, he did the best that he could. But listen to the last part of this. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. You know, the he your heavenly father disciplines you. Once we become sons of God, the spirit disciplines us. And you do have a heavenly father. And so don't hold on to that past. Move on. So <clears throat> you got to believe, choose to believe in God's justice. It might, it, you know what? My dad at some point said, this is just part of my story. I'm not going to let that part of my story keep me in bondage the rest of my life. My dad was a, a really good athlete. He was a really good football player. He had scholarships to Oklahoma. In fact, he went to Oklahoma, Kansas. He had all kinds of offers. He was big. He was mean. <laughs> he had that absent father wound. I guess he was just mean. But when he was young, he, he'd kick your butt. Uh, and uh, he didn't like Oklahoma, so he left there and went to Florida and spent a year at, at Florida uh, on a scholarship. But you know what? He had no family support. And he quit. Not because he wasn't good enough. But he just lost. He didn't have the vision. It was one of the biggest mistakes, and he used to tell me all the time, man, I wish I'd have never quit. But he didn't have a dad speaking into his life to say, hey, you need to stay. You, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You need to get your education. He didn't have that kind of support. And that was a part of the wound that, that he experienced going through that. So, you know, those of us, uh, you know, if, if you have a wound, just remember, Never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God that is written. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, you might have had a dad that was really evil. And maybe it was really, did some bad things. I just want to encourage you, don't hold on to that. You got to let it go. Because the Lord will takes the vengeance, not you. you. Listen, you're not strong enough to carry that. It will wear you out. It's too heavy. 
You don't, don't carry that. Don't try to. I've seen guys try to do it. <clears throat> I love this verse. I tell you, I got this verse about two weeks ago. And this is in a, if you go read Psalm 16, all of y'all have heard it. Because right after this is all the verses that we quote. <clears throat> but in verse 16, 5, it says this. Listen to this. This is awesome. The Lord is my portion, is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. In other words, your story, the things in your life, the Lord dealt that your, your portion. A lot of times, some of these things that have happened in our lives, we can't accept them. But I'm just telling you, you know a loving God, and it's just been part of your story. And we need to accept it. Because why? Because who supports you? God supports you. And sometimes people cannot accept their own lives. God raises up some, and some he doesn't. Some of you are like, well, my life just hadn't worked out. I, you know, I was on the corporate ladder, and I wanted to be here and do this, and I knew if I got this and that, I'd be happy. <clears throat> no, you wouldn't. You would have not been happy. Well, if I made this amount of money, and no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have been happy. Your life wouldn't have been fulfilled. Statistics have proven it. Studies have proven it. Um, that those things don't make you happy. Because, but a big thing in all of our lives is to accept and move forward. It's then when you, because you can't live in the past. Uh, it's just a great verse. You know, I got this verse from Elizabeth Elliot. I know that's not a manly thing, but I listened to her because she's, I told y'all that. She's awesome. Her husband got killed. He was a missionary. She had another husband. He died of cancer. And then she married the third guy. And I, I don't know what happened to him, but he wasn't on a good team. But she died, finally. Um, and she said, this is the verse that I clung to when all those bad things happened. This is what God has dealt. I accept it, and I move forward. You know, some of the bad things in our lives can become really good things. The bad thing in my dad's life, he made it a good thing. So you have a choice. If you're a son by a wounded dad, uh, just keep courageously seeking your father. Um, there may be separation between you and dad, springs from relational shortcomings. Don't, don't let that stop you. I, I know people say, well, it ain't happening. <clears throat> just encourage you. you. You start praying about it. You might be surprised when God opens the door. There may be separation between you and your dad that springs up from past conflict. I just encourage you to clean it up. Listen, you don't want to go to the grave with any regrets. Right, Jeremy? You don't want to have those regrets. It's, you, don't, you don't want that. You say, well, you know, he doesn't deserve Well, I'm just telling you. You need to clean that up. Get over yourself. It ain't, it's not worth it. You can't carry that. If you're a son of a wounded dad, risk asking for your father's love. You know, that's just building that relationship back. If 
your son wounded by your dad, risk for your father's blessing. You ask for that. I tell you, it's a powerful thing to give one of your kids your blessing. To pray over them, to bless them. It just does something to you, man. To know that your, your dad's blessing is on you. If you're a wounded son, reclaim the relationship you missed by becoming a good dad to your children. That's what my dad did. All right, so this is it. Got about five minutes. What's one thing that you can work on? You know, I don't like this. It's really quiet in here. <laughs> but I told you, it's, you got to be man enough to at least examine your life and say, hey, yeah, I need to work on this. There's some things. All right, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to turn it back to the tables. One thing. What's one takeaway from tonight? Lord, I thank you for these men. Thank you for their time. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, that your face would shine upon them. Lord, that you would help them walk in freedom. And they would continue to develop their relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.